0: Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. You know, we love your questions, don't we, Robert? Yes, sir. (laughs) And we have another one from Aaron, who is, this is another question from Aaron. So listen to this on Planetary Rulerships is where we're going. I have a question about Planetary Rulerships. This is specifically for planets that rule two different signs, such as Venus, uh, ruling Taurus and Libra. Does that mean... That planet will have two different signs in fall. So, if you know Venus is in Scorpio, um, that's opposite Taurus. You know Venus is in its fall. So, therefore, Libra, the opposite sign would be Aries. So, if, if Venus is in Aries, that would also be in its fall. Can you explain that a little bit more? I'm studying. A lot of astrology right now, and I'm, I'm a little bit confused on that. I really appreciate your time. I love your show. Um, this is my second question in a few weeks, so I apologize for asking so many questions. Um, I'm really excited to hear more. Thanks so much. Oh, Aaron, you don't ever have to apologize for asking great questions. In fact, this is an excellent question because it even goes deeper than what you're mentioning here, and there's a whole nother component to it. So, Robert, let's help Aaron out.
1: Well, we love Erin. I'm going to start calling her old reliable because her questions are so great.
0: Uh, <laughs> and, and and
1: so is this one. Love it. Uh, you know, all the planets have signs of exaltation and signs of detriment and signs of fall. And rulership, so, right? And, and rulership, yeah. Because as Erin points out, Venus rules Taurus and Libra. Mars rules Scorpio and Aries, and so on. So that's,
0: in fact, let's just stop there for a second, because that's there really are four columns here. You're talking about the ruling sign, right? The ruling sign and planet. And then you're talking about the exaltation, which is where it's kind of puffed up and feeling snappy.
1: Yeah, at its best.
0: And then you have the opposites of that. So I just wanted to clarify, we're really talking about four different things.
1: Yeah, right. And so... What you do to determine the fall of a planet, you have to know the sign that it's exalted in because the fall of a planet is in the sign that's opposite that planet's sign of exaltation. And there's a difference between fall and detriment, for example. So Venus is absolutely detrimented in Scorpio. Take it from somebody who has that position. Uh, but it's Venus's fall is opposite the sign of Venus's exaltation. Venus is exalted in Pisces. So its fall is in the sign of Virgo. And no, just because Venus rules two signs, rules Taurus and Libra, does not mean that it has two fall, two signs of fall. It's only in its fall in Virgo. So that's true for all of the planets. No, every planet only has one sign of its fall, it may be detrimented in two signs. And then there's a a quality that we call accidentally dignified. For example, anybody with Saturn in the seventh house, no matter what sign Saturn is in, Saturn is accidentally dignified in the seventh house. Strange, isn't it? That Saturn, which is bad-mouthed as the great malefic, happens to be in its best house, in the sign of marriage and partnership.
0: You just just, answered the age-old dilemma of why 50% of the marriages end in divorce.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't go go by me. Listen, I have Saturn right there on my seventh cusp. It's pretty unmistakable. Yeah. It happens to be a terrific position, though, for anyone who is a fine artist— or a counselor of any kind, which includes things like lawyers and astrologers and so on and so forth. Uh, So there you have the accidental dignity of the planet. So Pisces is, or the 12th house, is Venus's position of accidental dignity. No matter what sign Venus may be in, if it's in the 12th house, it's accidentally dignified, which simply means that it can, if if you're conscious about that archetype, it can develop and evolve into its higher forms, even in the, the 12th house. So, I think maybe that's, I hope that helps clarify what Aaron's talking about. It's a great question.
0: It is. And I'll tell you, a picture is worth a thousand words in this. And I don't know where I got this, but I'll tell you my little clipping system. I do everything I do on the Mac computers because it just, you know, all the production stuff that I do, the software is well suited for that. A long time ago, so what I do is I keep my astrology stuff in the inherent notes program that comes with the operating system. It's a powerful little program, and I keep all of the astrology clippings. I've kept Robert's notes in there. He has his whole section, the practicums. I have a section for that, the horary classes we did, another note for that. But then I have general astrology, and with the notes, you can pin notes in there. And some time ago, I found a graphic looking on this topic, and I don't know where I found it, but the title of it is called Planetary Strengths and Weaknesses, and it's just a grid, and it has the sun, and then the four columns, ruler, detriment, exaltation, fall, moon, da 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 Okay, and then when you get down to Mercury, this one's interesting. So, in Gemini, it is in detriment in Sagittarius, and then... This particular chart, Robert, now this is interesting. This particular chart shows Mercury as the ruler of Virgo to be in detriment in Pisces. Got that right? Opposite sign. And then it shows Mercury to be in exaltation in Aquarius, so fall in Leo. And this is the only time on the chart that it recognizes a second exaltation for one of these mm-hmm. double planets the rest of them don't mm-hmm. only mercury interesting
1: well it figures with mercury being the kind of chameleon planet mercurial <laughs> it's and true
0: so on. that's true maybe when maybe it was in retrograde when they made this chart
1: or you suppose or <laughs> well no, you know they're always con- conflicting disagreements from different authorities exactly so, so somebody had gone, that interpretation I've, I've always gone with the uh, With Mercury being in its fall in Pisces, and therefore its exaltation in Virgo. In Virgo, Mainly because Mercury is the planet of rational thinking, critical thinking, the intellect, all of that. Pisces is the opposite of all of that. Reason and rationality have zero to do with Pisces. It's a total, not only a water sign, it's the most submersive deepest water sign emotional sign that we have so we're talking about primordial fight-or-flight responses at the basic level which have nothing to do with stopping to think is this tiger really hostile or is this a friendly tiger it's a tiger you run (laughs) (laughs) Or, or do whatever it is you need to do so i tend to go along with that Mercury is in its fall in Pisces, and therefore its exaltation is in Virgo. But if you want to go with it, Mercury being exalted in Aquarius, work with it. See if it works for you.
0: This is interesting looking at this chart. And like I said, a picture is worth a thousand words. You almost have to see this in the grid form. But think about this. Mercury is ruling Gemini, so its detriment is Sagittarius, right? We talked about that. That's, right, just, that's right. the ruler in detriment. Boom, boom. Then, exalted in Virgo, fall in Pisces. But Mercury also rules Virgo. Yes. So its detriment is also Pisces.
1: It, yes, it is. So how many of
0: even- you have Mercury in Pisces? Raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> now, this brings me to another question that I wanted to ask you on this, because you know that I've narrated five audiobooks for Steve Forrest. And the four of them were the legacy series that he created of basically all of his life's work called the Elements Series. And Steve is what he classifies as an evolutionary astrologer. In other words, the whole chart represents our soul's path. Why we're here from a karmic, cosmic, soul purpose perspective. That's the essence of Steve's work. And he's created a brilliant career around that. So Steve comes along and says, Don't tell any client that they have a planet in fall. It's all part of the purpose, it's all part of the tapestry. You know, he's almost like, How dare you say that somebody has a, a planet in fall? So when we come along here and we see Mercury. And you go, uh uh-oh, if you have Mercury in Pisces, it's not only in fall and detriment. What are you supposed to do with your life? Well, what Steve would argue is that that very position was created for you to deal with the themes that come up from that, the degrees of where it is, the aspects to where it is, what else is in those signs, all the synthesis that you would do, but that that is very specifically purposed for your soul. Thoughts on that?
1: Totally agree. With other astrologers, when I'm reading for them, I will use terms like fall and detriment. But then I go further, of course, to talk about what that means. But in every archetype in astrology, whether it's a planet or a sign or a house or even an angle, every single archetype has a constructive and a destructive side a positive and a negative side all of them do and i think the big message of the stars is get conscious about all these don't take anything for granted look at your horoscope and get conscious about both ends of the polarity of your sun for example Of your moon, of your Mercury, and even in a house like the 12th house, which traditionally symbolizes secret sorrow, self-undoing, all of that. And it's true, it does, if it's unconscious. But if you can make the sign on your 12th house conscious and any planets in it conscious, then what was your... Secret sorrow and self-undoing turns out to be your buried treasure. By making it conscious, you see, aha, now I see how I am undoing myself in my life unconsciously. For example, I have Sagittarius in my 12th house. Don't you tell me that I can be overbearing and egotistical and opinionated and not listen to other people because I can. That was then. That was before astrology, B.A., With astrology, I realize with Sagittarius there, I can unintentionally be offensive and off-putting to people. You see what I mean? And you just begin to explore these archetypes from that standpoint. So if a planet is in fall, it simply means you better get clear on how the sign that your, your Mercury is in, let's say, if it's unconscious, can undermine you. And then you can explore that. And turn it around through conscious attention to the positive sides of it.
0: You know that's it, another Steveism that I say a lot, and I, I've mentioned it quite a bit on the Fun Astrology podcast. And I always give him credit for it because his his uh, you know he's, he's got a great wit and clever writing. But he you know he just the coin always has two sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's the best yeah. way to look at astrology. Is exactly what you're saying is the coin always has two sides.
1: And then, too, Thomas, when you figure in solar arcs, which both converse and forward, those are the evolution of the horoscope. So if you are born a Libra, say, as I am, and then 60 years after that, your son is going to be in Sagittarius. You've evolved. You're still a Libra son. But you have evolved now to incorporate the Sagittarian elements in, of your progressed or your solar arc sun. So all astrology, to me, is evolutionary astrology. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's all. It's such a beautiful map of our soul. Okay, now let's let's take a step back though, because you mentioned the old books a lot. And if Robert Hand was on this podcast, or Chris Brennan, or some of the uh, Patrick Watson, some of the other people that are advocating the old roots of this craft then they would say that you know what the ancients looked into this and they saw and this is a favorite of mine and since you're a libra son why not go for it you know to say oh my your son is in libra it's in fall you and but obviously they observed something and we know we you you know I've talked about this quite a bit that the ancients often wrote from a a darker perspective of of more fated destiny of bad stuff happening, right? Like they didn't have the, the manifesting, creating our own reality consciousness that we have today. But obviously they observed that Saturn was a negative planet. It had a detrimental, malefic characteristics to it. Mars, when Mars comes around, it's going to be conflict, you know, this kind of thing. So there is that balance, isn't there, to what the ancient uh, ancients observed and wrote about and passed down the centuries?
1: Yes, and two, if you think back to those days, it was far easier and more obvious to be fatalistic. People did not have the options in their lives that we do. They didn't travel. They weren't literate. They weren't educated. They had no options, relatively speaking. If you were born into a caste, odds are you're going to stay in that caste all of your life. You couldn't get out. Now, obviously, there are individuals who did. But life lives in general were far more predictable and shorter than today, as so was the understanding of astrology. So it was very easy, natural, to see it as a fatalistic. And in fact, to this day, if you're dealing with relatively unconscious clients for all the time you hear people ask of astrologers tell me what's going to happen to me listen to that it's deadly they're telling you that they are passive that they are waiting for something to come to them that's going to solve their problems
0: bail them out
1: and it sounds like they don't want to do any work well it does take work to grow up it does take work To become an adult and to become rational to develop your critical thinking abilities and so it does take work we have a ton of options today look at the internet we can find anything we want in 60 seconds anything we want to know throughout human history They didn't have access to any of this, so we have means and tools and techniques to apprehend ourselves consciously in terms of, say, the astrological archetypes and to think about each archetype and to develop it, to evolve it according to our own natures. That's all about free will. So to me, the last thing astrology really is Is a fortune-telling, fatalistic device. It's the best tool I have ever found to activate and capitalize on your free will. I have, as you know, a horrible horoscope, and when I first looked at it, I was petrified. Really, the old books—this just looks awful. And I remember thinking, "Is there anything I can do about this?" Well, of course there is. Times I—I would be dead with astrology.
0: Yeah, you chose the right path. Yeah. Well, it is a beautiful craft, and I'll tell you, the people that have been booking you for readings, too, by the way, come back talking about how wonderful these readings are, and if you'd like information on that, that's in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to do what Aaron did and leave us a message, you go to the funastrology.com website, and up at the top left is an orange button. You don't even have to leave your email. Just leave us a message, and we'll be happy to get it on we record several weeks ahead so it might be a little bit of time between the time you leave the message and the time we get to it but if it's a good question we'll get to it all right aaron hope that helps and for all of you that's great commentary there thank you robert and we will see you next time on the old soul new soul astrology podcast with robert glasscock